We're going to read from 2 Corinthians this afternoon, and beginning in chapter 12 and starting at verse 11 on page 1161. 1166. From verse 11. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, but I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles. Even though I am nothing, I preserved in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. How were you inferior to the other churches? Except that I was never abandoned to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not, to, is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did, he not, did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, and everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will, be, will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while, in, in, while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others. Since you are demanding proof that Christ speak, is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not so that the people will see what they have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in the use of my authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full rest restoration. 
Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace be with you all. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thanks, Andrew, and a very, very good afternoon to you. My name is Jeremy, if we haven't already met, and it's fantastic to be with you here together at Trinity on a sunny Sunday afternoon. Welcome to you. Uh, we're going um, straight into, well, after a song, we're going to question time after this. So if you have got a question that you want to ask, something that pops into your mind, uh, then there's a way to submit it anonymously to uh, Slido. You've got these, uh, the QR code on the, on the service sheet. You can just point your camera of your smartphone at that, and it'll take you straight to the place where you can submit those questions. Uh, question on what I'm telling you today from, from God's Word, or question from anywhere else in 2 Corinthians. Um, please do, if something occurs to you, it's probably going to occur to other people too, so feel free to ask on your behalf or, or on behalf of others. Well, just as we begin to look at that last bit of 2 Corinthians, our book of the year, um, then we're going to pray. So if you're a praying person, why don't you join me as we ask for God's help? Let's do that. There's a verse from 2 Corinthians. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Our Father God, that's an amazing verse, and we um, we feel weak as as we come before you today. I certainly feel weak. And so we pray simply this, Father, that as, as the God of creation, the God who made light shine out of darkness, that, that you would make your light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of your glory displayed in the face of Jesus. And please do that to show us your very great strength displayed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. I don't know if you're a sort of puzzle person or, or you like to test yourself, uh, whether you do Wordle just to show that you've still got it, uh, some of those quizzes. Uh, maybe you want to go a bit deeper and, 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 you, um, and you've done a personality test. Anyone here done one of those as part of their work, maybe? Yeah, Myers-Briggs. I think I'm an INTJ, whatever that means. I can't remember what significance that, that might have. Um, but if a few of us do those things. Um, and then from time to time, uh, you get a sort of self-test in a magazine or in a newspaper, don't you? I don't know if you're interested in doing those. I came across um, this the other day. You know, it's normally sort of um, answer these 10 questions to find out if you're easily manipulated or something, or um, are you a perfectionist? Take this short quiz and, and find out for yourself. Uh, not long ago in a national newspaper, I came up I, across this one. Uh, it says, are you a good person? Are you a good person? The headline over the top of an obligatory picture of Mother Teresa. And then you can see the questions there. Uh, I know that at least one person's got their parents with them today. 
Um, here we go. Number 10. You haven't called your parents in weeks. I'm sure you'd never do that, Richie. Um, you haven't called your parents in weeks and you get a guilt-inducing voicemail from your mother. You have immediate dinner plans. Do you? And then you, and then you have the various options. And then you get to the bottom, uh, you'll see, and you can add up your marks. If you've done really well, 30 to 40 marks. Well done. You are a good person. It's good to, it's useful to know, isn't it? That's a, that's a good half an hour's work. The point is this, that we, we love to test ourselves. Uh, we love to find out a, a little bit more. And as we finish off the book of 2 Corinthians, that is the challenge from 2 Corinthians, that we're to test ourselves. So um, have a look at verse 5 on page 1167. Um, verse 5 of chapter 13. Can you see that? Chapter 13, verse 5. This is what Paul writes at the end of the book. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Um, not to see whether you're a good person. I, I hate to tell you this, but the Bible says there's no one good, not even one. You can have a look at Romans 3 later on if you want and send that into the Daily Telegraph. Test yourselves, not to see whether you're a good person, but to see whether you're happy to be a weak person. That's the test at the end of 2 Corinthians. Are you happy to be a weak person if it shows God's strength? How do you feel about that? Are you comfortable with that idea? Test yourself, Paul says, to see whether Christ is in you in that particular way. Now, straight away as we begin, it's worth saying that there's some people who have the sort of personality where we'll always feel that we've failed. Uh, maybe you're one, you may be very self-critical as as a person. You'll you'll know if that kind of you'll know if you're that kind of person. I guess you know you always feel like an imposter. Maybe uh, you feel a lot of guilt. And um, if that's you, then take take that into account as we take this test together. Okay, just um, remember that. On the other hand, maybe you're someone who's very um, overconfident, and uh, you tend to think that you'll do that you'll do pretty well. I, I picked Justin up from uh, a school that we were applying to once, and uh, he'd been sitting an entrance exam, and his teachers prepared us for the worst. Justin's our son, by the way, um, and. Um, his te- teachers have prepared us for the worst. It was a really, really difficult exam. And um, as the examiner, uh, Mr. Cousins, handed Justin back to us, I think he was like seven or eight years old, I asked him how it had gone, and he said, don't worry about me, Dad. I did extremely well. <laughs> uh, maybe you're that kind of person. You know, maybe you tend to be... Well, take that into account as well, okay? Because we're going to be looking at the test that Paul wants us to take. But do bear in mind who the examiner is. Okay, maybe, um, maybe you've had an examiner who was trying to catch you out. Uh, is that the kind of thing you're used to? Maybe when you took a driving test, or maybe at school you had a teacher who was, who was always trying to catch you out. The person who's setting this test... Um, the Apostle Paul could not be more motivated by love. You couldn't think of, a, of an examiner who was more on your side. Uh, when I was taking some professional exams, 
Uh, I was asked a, asked a question by an examiner who I thought looked pretty stern. I started answering. And he said to me, um, stop there, Mr. Hobson. I think you're about to make a mistake. That's the kind thing, isn't it? That's the kind thing that he said to me. But the Apostle Paul is so motivated by love. Okay? This morning I listened to the whole of 2 Corinthians start to finish, David Suchet on YouTube. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. 45 minutes start to finish. And I was so struck by the love that Paul has for the Corinthian church. It comes through in, in the final section so strongly uh, that Andrew just read to us. Chapter 12, verse 15. Paul says, So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and, expand, and expend myself as well. Okay, he's going to give himself. He's going to leave it all out there for the sake of the Corinthians. Chapter 12, verse 19. Everything we do, dear friends is for your strengthening. So on their side. Chapter 13, verse 9. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. He could not be backing them to a greater extent. Does that sound like he's trying to catch them out? He's 100% on their side. But now, as he gets ready, as he um, gets ready to visit them for the third time, as he's writing to them probably for, for the fourth time, he wants them to have a look in the mirror and, uh, and see if what they're doing is actually genuine gospel work, real gospel response, whether they've really taken into account the death of Jesus for them and, and allowed it to change them deep down. And, and if it is, and he hopes that it is, then he wants them to ask themselves something else, which is namely, why have they been so carried away by these glitzy, glamorous leaders that have turned up in the local church? Why are they so impressed with them? That's the question. Are they ready to step away from them? Because they're false apostles. And you know, it's, it's good for us to ask ourselves things here at Trinity. It's good for us to, to think about where we've got to, um, who we are, what we're doing, what makes us tick, where we are in, in, in our own church, to what extent are we prepared to be weak as a church family if, if that demonstrates God's strength? How do we feel about that? And we might also ask ourselves, to what extent are we in danger of having our heads turned by ministries which are full of surface style but leave out all the gospel discomfort? And there are plenty of those around in, in central London. So two points then, as we look at this last chapter and a half of, of, of 2 Corinthians, and do send in questions as they, as they occur to you as, as we're going through. The first point is this. Authentic gospel ministry brings real change, real personal, permanent change in the heart of a believer by God's strength. Paul's been saying something all the way through the, the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, that as the good news about Jesus dying in our place, that the gospel, that message about Jesus giving himself for, for everything we've done wrong and, and, and dying on our behalf and then coming out of the grave again, um, that as that gets into our hearts, then, then we'll start to change. 
is transformative. It can't leave us the same. Now, of course, none of us are the finished article. Uh, I mean, look at us. We've still got some way to go. But in, in, in one sense, um, see chapter 3, verse 18, up on, the, up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let me read that out. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being, are being transformed. You see, we're, we're, we're being changed. Gospel ministry will change me. Um, I, can't, I can't help it <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm listening. You know, as, as we look on Jesus' face, it, it sort of convicts us. It shows us where we might need to change. And then the Spirit starts to change me. Um, I, I, I can't help it. I, I might not feel that change because sometimes God acts at the level of our will. Yeah, he just changes the things that we want. Um, and, and, and I might have to take the long view, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, um, to see how I've changed. I might need to ask my friends um, what they've seen change in me. But that change is, is there. So I remember a guy called Frankie. Um, he was an amazing guy. Um, he became a Christian uh, through a Christianity Explore course. And, and his colleagues, um, he told me, immediately noticed something different about him at work. He didn't feel any different. Um, but they noticed that, that he changed. He was more honest. He talked about women in a different way. He, um, he used different language. Uh, there was someone here at, at Trinity um, who became a Christian. I, I never spoke to him about this, and he said, um, hey, Jeremy, I, I'm, I've given up the weed. So I'm not, I'm not smoking any weed anymore. I just it didn't feel right anymore. It's interesting, isn't it? I mentioned that to him. Uh, and another young Christian that I know, just a teenager, um, came up to me and said, he said, I know, it probably sounds a bit stupid. I'd just like to start giving five pounds a month to the church. Is that okay? Of course it's okay. Chapters 8 to 9 of 2 Corinthians have been all about that. Isn't that great? Uh, none of those people are the finished article, um, let me tell you, but... Um, the Spirit had just decided to transform them. And, and one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul is so concerned about the church in, in Corinth, and it really comes from a place of love, is because everything seems to be staying the same, you see. And, uh, and that's a concern. So have a look down at chapter 12, verse 20. Down there on page 1167. Chapter 12, verse 20. Paul writes to them, um, I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. In other words, I, I'm, I, I'm worried I'm not going to see any, any evidence of change in you. And you may not find me as you want me to be. In other words, they're going to find him confronting them. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Where do you recognize that list from? The book of 1 Corinthians. <laughs> yeah? Authentic ministry brings real change. Let's see what happens if real change won't come. We'll have a look down at chapter 13, verses 1 to 4. 
particularly verse 2. This is what Paul says. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others. Um, I was saying the other day, uh, when I was at school, I was always getting sent out of class. I didn't know when to shut up. Uh, it's the basic problem. Those of you who are teachers may recognize that particular character trait. Um, to my huge regret, I wasn't really there to learn. And so it was better for the class and it was better for me that I was put outside the door, as I was fairly frequently, until I learned how to control my tongue. And Paul's already spoken about someone in, in chapter 2 who's been disciplined by the church. Uh, he's, he's grieved everyone, Paul says, uh, but now he's been reconciled with the church. It seems like um, he responded to discipline uh, rightly with repentance, and now he's back amongst the church family. It was, it was best for the class that he left for a while. He wasn't there to learn. Uh, and, and, and when Paul comes back, as, as he does, just a year or two after this letter's written, he's saying he may have to ask people to leave the church for the church's good and for their good tea. And that's the warning. Authentic ministry brings real change. But Paul's heartfelt desire is, is for real change to happen. That's what he really wants um, and you can see that in chapter 13, verse 9, yeah? Have a look down at that. His aim is restoration. Um, Say, so verse 9 of chapter 13, we are glad whenever we are weak that you are strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. That is why I write these things when I am absent. That when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Say, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Take your discipleship seriously. He doesn't want them to be put out of the church. He doesn't want to be severe. He wants them to come back to authentic ministry, to, to, to the kind of ministry that he, he's longing to give them out of love for Jesus. And, and so does change. Restoration, encouragement, agreement, and peace. That's what he mentions in this part of the Bible. I mean, and, and the sad thing is, I, I just learned this this week, uh, that in probably about AD 96, so about 40 years after Paul wrote this letter, there's another letter which has been preserved in history, uh, whatever we make of that, um, written by someone called Clement. He was a, seems to have been a faithful Bible teacher in, in the early church, and he, and he writes to the church in Corinth at the end of the first century, it's an interesting letter. You can look it up on, on the internet. And he sends him a letter, and um, he talks about how Peter and Paul have both been martyred, both been killed, uh, and uh, many of the early, early apostles have died. Uh, they've been killed for their faith. But Clement talks about how the Corinthian church is full of envy, it's full of strife, it's full of bitterness, and slander, and internal war. So sad, isn't it, when, when, when people won't change? So sad. Because authentic ministry brings real change. That's what Paul's been saying. 
And uh, some of us uh, are optimists and some of us are pessimists, I know that. And we, we all have different characters. And it's quite hard to assess ourselves sometimes. Uh, we don't always know ourselves terribly well. But it's good to check, isn't it, that, that we haven't got stuck in our Christian lives, that, that we're moving on, uh, that perhaps, perhaps we should be able to name one or two things in our lives if, if we're Christian people, that, that we'd love God to change, that we're praying through about ourselves. It's one or two things. God's very gracious, isn't it? Isn't he? he doesn't sort of confront us with all of our sin at the same time. That would just crush us. Uh, but maybe one or two things that we're aware of. Um, let's keep changing. Uh, Mark Ashton, if you knew him in Cambridge, always used to say, um, being a Christian is a bit like riding a bicycle. You want to keep moving forward so that you don't fall over. Um, it's not, not a bad way of putting it. Test yourselves, says Paul. Test yourselves. Not, not so you can con- congratulate yourself or feel bad about yourself, but so that we can know in, in some way in our lives we've connected with an authentic gospel message. The power of God has been at work in us. Now, I mean, the, the Apostle Paul is, is no longer with us. He's not going to turn up an angel tube, turn up at four o'clock, grab a coffee and a cake, and, uh, you know, assess our church. He's not going to write two Trinitarians, you know, whatever it would be. So reading this letter is our chance to change. And maybe before you go to bed tonight, you just read through the whole of 2 Corinthians or have a listen and just see what is it um, the 2 Corinthians is particularly teaching me. You know, maybe um, I'm calling myself a Christian, but there's... um, but when I'm at work, maybe there's a lot of jealousy, there are fits of rage, there's a bit of selfish ambition. Oh, I want to pray that as the Spirit convicts us, those things will we'll, we'll, we'll bring them under, under the Apostles' teaching in, in the New Testament, that God would bring real permanent change in our lives, yeah? Um, if you're aware of something uh, that's on your mind, something you'd, you'd love God to change, perhaps grab a friend, trusted friend tonight, before you go home, while it's still fresh in your mind, and just ask them to pray for you. Uh, that God will carry on transforming you in the way that he would, he would love to. Real change. Well, maybe the thought of that makes you feel particularly weak this afternoon. Uh, I think it does me. And that's the reason for our second point, more briefly, as we finish the book of of 2 Corinthians, and that's this. Authentic ministry shows God's strength in human weakness. Do you feel inadequate and weak? Good. It's a great opportunity for God's weakness to shine. Like Nathan was showing us, see, the light shining through the rips in a paper bag, yeah? The gospel shining out through us. Have a look at chapter 13, verse 4. Chapter 13, verse 4. Paul reminds us, in the way that he draws everything from the cross, chapter 13, verse 4, he talks about Jesus. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness. Uh, the, the cross was a method of deliberate humiliation. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a means of torture. That, that's why um, Christians in the first century were so regularly mocked for having a crucified Lord. <laughs> Um, you might have seen this piece of graffiti. Have you seen that? That was um, scratched into a wall in ancient Rome. Um, 
pouring scorn on someone who'd become a Christian. It's a picture of a donkey on a cross, and someone's written underneath, Alexaminos worships his God. It's a donkey on a cross. Who, who would worship someone who's crucified? It's ridiculous. Alexaminos worships his God. Jesus was crucified in weakness. If you look at it, it appears humiliating. But it was there at the cross when Jesus was crucified in weakness that, that, that God the Father heaped on, on Jesus the full punishment for your and my sin. And so that was the greatest victory in history. Now we took the Lord's Supper last week. And, and what did we say before we had the bread and the wine? Do you remember? Talking about Jesus. He made there a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, that just means something offered to God, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. That's what happened on the cross as Jesus was humiliated. And so, weakness holds no fear for us. Have a look down at chapter 13, verse 4. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness. Likewise, he carries on, we are weak in him. We are, as we follow a crucified Messiah. So Christian ministry, uh, in as far as we're in, involved in that, and, and we're all ministers in one sense or another if we're Christians, doesn't just have a message about Jesus' apparent weakness. It, it's actually an expression of weakness. We ourselves are weak as, as we pass on that message to others. The message about Jesus is passed on by failing and flawed human beings, and, I, and I'm one of them. And we are weak in him. That's the message of the apostles. So, Test yourself, says Paul. Are you content to be weak? Because God works through weak vessels and he keeps them deliberately weak so that the glory and the power seem to be his. So are you happy for that? Test yourself. If, if, if you're new here at Trinity and... Uh, uh, by the way, you're very, very welcome to come and join us for uh, newcomers' drinks upstairs if you'd like to. If you joined in the last six months, we've got some extra nice biscuits for you upstairs. Uh, and a, just a brief Q&A about the church. Do please come up if you want to. Um, if, if you're new here, as you get to know us, you'll find out that the staff team and the elders here at Trinity are weak people. We're weak people. If, if you join a small group, as I hope you will, uh, on a Tuesday night, you'll find out that your leaders are weak people. Yeah? Uh, David and Katie, Adam and Sophie, Kirsten, Dawn, Nathan and Charlotte. You'd agree with that, I imagine, wouldn't you? Yeah, we're weak people. The Corinthians found that Paul was weak in, his, in, in his, the way he spoke, in, in his change of travel plans, in his thorn in the flesh, in his lack of letters of accreditation. But Paul trusted in and he taught the authentic gospel and you know um, maybe the day will come, I hope it doesn't come for a long long time, when you decide uh, you've got to leave London and you're going to go and find another church or, or maybe you're going to join the, the Christian group at work, I don't know if you've got one of those in your office or in your place of work um, or teens, we were praying for you earlier on you know the time will come when you go up to university I guess uh, maybe it's already there at school when you're invited to join the Christian group. Yeah? It's easy to find yourself despising a weak-looking ministry. 
You know, maybe, um, maybe the leader isn't as funny as you are. Maybe they're not as well-read as you are. Maybe they're not as bright as you are. Um, perhaps they don't go out very much, or, or perhaps um, they're not very organized, or maybe the flyers they've designed are just tragically awful. Um, all those things happen. Or you go along to, maybe you're at university, and you go along and join the Christian Union, and it's just such a bunch of misfits and weirdos that just by joining them, you improve their coolness quotient by a factor of 10. You know, you just think, what am I doing hanging out with these losers? Please, someone help me. It's very easy to feel like that. And we can slightly begin to despise the whole thing, and we just want to hang out with Christians who've got it together, who are competent on the outside as a priority over suffering and being weak on the inside. The authentic gospel is the gospel according to weakness. Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what Paul said in chapter 5. Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. That was in chapter 8. And we follow him as captives in his triumphal procession. Yeah, that's who we are. The treasure of the gospel is found in jars of clay. Like you and me. And we need to think about that until we understand. Chapter 13, he was crucified in weakness. Jesus was. Yet he lives by God's power. And so likewise, you see, we are weak in him so that the power of his change can be seen in our lives. Power of transformation. Test yourselves, says Paul. Are you committed to a weak ministry like that? A weak apostle, weak church leaders, weak in our own ministries. We've looked at all those three levels of application as we've been through the book of 2 Corinthians. Are we prepared to, to associate ourselves, to be taught by a, a, a weak apostle like Paul? Are we prepared to be taught by weak ministers in our own church? Are we prepared to be weak ministers ourselves in the work that we do? If so, and Paul longs for the answer to be yes, if so, then as Paul concludes his letter, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Why don't we pray? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, you know how much we... Um, we might overvalue things like uh, competence and confidence, uh, looking together, uh, pretending that everything's okay, um, putting on a, a good show. Um, thank you, Father, that, um, that the Apostle Paul valued authenticity, a real gospel, a crucified Jesus, um, however weak and pathetic that looked. That was the God for him. Jesus on the cross. And I pray, Father, as we learn from him, as, as we learn from Christian ministers at church, as we ourselves engage in ministry, so we will be prepared to have that cross-shaped, suffering, weak-looking ministry that brings greater glory to you because the power is the power of the cross. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.